It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like Sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. A college football tradition like no other. Yes, sir, boys and girls. Or the guy that just won't leave. Wow. That is sad. The Dave Hooker Show. YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. A presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Back to Dave Hooker. Here we go. It is a Wednesday, and you know what that means. Jimmy Hyams will join us later in the program. Looking forward to that. His thoughts on Joe Milton. Can Joe Milton win in Alabama? That's a question mark. And also, we discuss maybe a misevaluation where Tennessee put one player in the game, but should have perhaps put another one in there. We've made that argument of course, with Hendon Hooker and Joe Milton going back to 2021. But there might be another example that I want to kick around. Also, the five balls that are most important in this game, the five Crimson Tide players that are the most important in this game. So we have an absolute ton going on. Some Tennessee hoops as well. Thanks for joining us if you're on board. Already, go ahead and click the like button. And if you haven't subscribed to this point, we need you to do so. And most of all, I've been told by the YouTube powers that be, turn those notifications on because you'll get notifications of when new videos drop and some Celebrate 98 videos are going to be dropping like crazy today. So we've got a lot going on with Caleb Calhoun. I am Dave Hooker, Caleb, I hope you're doing well, sir. I am completely over my cold, so I feel cold, flu, whatever it was. I feel like a million dollars. How do I look? 
You look amazing, Dave. You look great. Said I looked amazing. You do. You do. <laughs> it's uh, it's halfway through the third Saturday in October, and uh, you know, on Hump Day, you always want hookers to look good. Absolutely, you do. So, welcome to the program. Uh, Caleb is off and rolling with some one liners as we begin with what the H? What the? What was he thinking? Release the hounds. The Dave Hooker Show. Keep cool. A presentation of offthehooksports.com. So, if you haven't checked out the written word on offthehooksports.com, I don't know what you're thinking because we're bringing knowledge each and every week. And I wrote about Jalen Wright and the fact that we talked about Dylan Sampson because I think he's probably a little sexier of a running back, faster, has a better twitch, uh, has a better wiggle and all that. And but when we look back at this, has Tennessee misevaluated? And there's a comparison to Walter Payton I want to get to. I like Jalen Wright a lot. But is was there a misevaluation going into last year? Because as you remember, I'm sure, the talk was Jabari Small going into 2022 about how he put on 15 pounds and he was the starter and he was the guy. And what happened? He got beat up as usual. And at the end of the day, Jalen Wright had more yards per carry and didn't have as many carries as Jabari Small, but was certainly more successful uh, throughout the course of last season. And that's proving to be the case again, as he looks like he is Tennessee's 1A back. So we've talked before about misevaluating talent, which is a skill, and you're not going to be 100% right all the time. But the talk heading into this camp, Caleb, was Jalen Wright was willing to run over people, and he wasn't always bouncing the ball outside. Really? Or was Jalen Wright the better running back from the get, going back about 15 months ago? I'm not going to say he was the better running back from the get. And the reason I'm not going to say he was the better running back from the get is because we have to remember that Jalen Wright put on 15 pounds this all season. True. And conditioning has a huge role to play in this. I think the question for a lot of people was if he put on the weight, would he still be the same type of player? Look, first of all, this is another major credit to Jeremy Pruitt. Jeremy Pruitt's the one who found Jalen Wright, a three-star out of North Carolina who was an all-purpose back. He signed him. We all thought he was going to be the all-purpose back to compliment Jabari Small. I then thought he'd be the odd one out because Dylan Sampson was the guy I thought was the all-purpose back. What I didn't see coming was Jalen Wright putting on the 15 pounds and maintaining his speed and agility when he put it on. So he's basically got Jabari Small's power running now, plus he's got agility that I, I got a lot of regard for Small, but he just doesn't have that same agility that Jalen Wright has, or speed for that matter. And you you couldn't know that until you saw him in camp after conditioning. No, I'll give you that. Uh, the thing that I love about Jalen Wright is that he he does run hard. Wright also got less carries last season because of fumbles and, and to some extent pass blocking. Although I think Gary, that's a, that's a great call out. I think that was more Dylan Sampson got less carries last year because he wasn't as good in pass pro. So either Jalen Wright has elevated his play or he is, uh, or he was overlooked. Regardless of that, where does he rank among the best tailbacks now? 
in the SEC. It's really tough to determine, Caleb, because so many people use a committee of tailbacks. And if there's an elite one, point him out to me. But um, I don't think there are elite tailbacks anymore. That's the way college football is played. But Jalen Wright on his own, if, if they were having a draft pick for, let's say, an East-West All-Star game, which, man, wouldn't that be pretty cool, by the way? Um, but if they were if they were doing that, where would Jalen Wright go? Ooh, that is a tough question. And I I'm not sure. I need to I mean, if Blake Corum's in the East, isn't he gonna go over Jalen Wright? I mean, you would have to think, right? And oh, I meant specifically the SEC. I'm sorry. Oh, specifically the SEC. Okay. Um I would probably say well, you got Ramon Davis at Kentucky, Ray Davis, who has just absolutely torched people on the ground this year. I mean, look at what he did to Florida. I mean, you have a comparison, Jalen Wright versus Ray Davis, and look how they ran against Florida. Ray Davis ran a lot better. And again, Ray Davis doesn't have a Cooper Maze that he's running behind either. Now, Jalen Wright didn't have that against Florida, to be fair. But yeah, it's Ray Davis. You got to go Ray Davis. Yeah, Ray Davis averaging over seven yards per carry. There are three tailbacks that are averaging over seven yards per carry. Ray Davis uh, at Kentucky, but then Jalen Wright is 7.14 over Ray Davis's 7.04. Ulysses Bennett, the fourth, is a 7.43. But in in all fairness, he's your kind of scat back guy. He's a go-to back on occasion. He's ripped off some long runs, which has uh, thrown that number off a little bit. But I, you want to go Ray Davis, and I get that. But I could make a strong argument that Jalen Wright is of that ilk and that um, Dylan Sampson, who's averaging six yards a carry, is – just a little short of that. Uh, it's interesting to me that Jaden Daniels, uh, LSU's uh, quarterback, uh, ranks almost at six yards per carry at 5.99. But the rest of these guys, when you're talking about the best tailbacks in the biz in the SEC, it's Ulysses Bennett, the fourth, Esquire, junior, senior. Uh, Jalen Wright, right behind him, Ray Davis of Kentucky, uh, A.J. Green of Arkansas, and then Dylan Sampson at number five so of the top five tailbacks yards per carry tennessee has deuce they got two in there that's a testament to tennessee's offensive line which has played a good bit of the season without cooper mace so i think that's even more impressive no it is you're right it's much more impressive um dylan sampson though is really just one game i mean we have to be honest it's just the texas san antonio game outside of that he's been pedestrian to a certain degree this year so far i'm not blaming him i just don't think the offense has done a pretty good has done that great of a job getting him involved i think jalen wright is much more the prototypical running back in a lot of ways no agreed now there was a slight comparison made to walter payton and i don't know if that's a slip of the tongue the thing that i thought was cool about the walter payton thing is that he he studies those old tailbacks like Walter Payton. And that's something that Jalen Wright does. I didn't know about that. And uh, yesterday, Willie Mack actually made a, a bit of a comparison or Jerry Mack, excuse me, made a bit of a comparison to, uh, to Walter Payton. Jalen Wright's not Walter Payton. I don't know that we'll ever have another Walter Payton. 
Well, it, it, you probably remember some highlights of him. I don't remember anything of Walter Payton, to be honest, other than he was a teammate of Willie Galt, funny enough, who was the leading receiver in that Super Bowl that they won, 85. Um, but Jalen Wright, for his size, you would think is more about agility and shiftiness, but he likes to truck people. As far as I remember, from my understanding, was Walter Payton didn't like to truck you, did he? Wasn't he more of a shifty running back than anything? Yes, I I watched a lot of Walter Payton. That's that's kind of down my wheelhouse of being 18 years old and younger and, and watching him. I, I don't see the comparison at all, to be, to be real honest with you. I mean, I, yeah, I don't I mean, think it was worth. Yeah, they're two, two totally different tailbacks to me, but. Yeah, what Jerry Mack brought up that made more sense to me was when he said Walter Payton has, or excuse me, Jalen Wright has studied some Terrell Davis. I could see running like Terrell Davis with Jalen Wright. I could see that a lot more similar because Terrell Davis, I wouldn't necessarily say he trucked people, but he was very vertical. Like immediately, he had amazing vision, which I think Jalen Wright's biggest strength is vision. And he immediately hit the hole and gashed it. So I kind of see more like of a Terrell Davis. I don't see a Walter Payton or a Barry Sanders. I see a Terrell Davis and to a lesser degree, Emmett Smith, although Emmett Smith didn't truck or shift anybody. He was just, he just had the best offensive line in history. Sorry, Dave. Well, he had that, but his greatest ability was giving, getting every single inch out of every single yard. He was a fall forward type of back and that's overlooked when Barry Sanders is juking people, but he got every inch out of every single run. I thought that was Emmett's ability. Rocky Top Toms says sometimes it feels like Jalen Wright runs into defenders purposefully. I like that. Uh, I like that too. You brought, I don't know if you even remember this, you brought up the comparison with Travis Henry. I think he's that type of back. I mean, I, I, I think, think he, he runs hard, he runs angry. And I mean, that is a huge compliment. I'm not saying he's as good as Henry, but he's the type of tailback that makes you not want to tackle him later in the game. Yeah, he is Travis Henry without the size. Well, no, actually, well, no, Travis Henry was the same size, but like two inches shorter. So, but yeah, Travis Henry, the thing that was that always hit me was that, and this is the next step for Wright. Dave, there was never a third and one where Travis Henry wasn't a guarantee to get the yard. I don't think I ever saw Travis Henry lose a yard on a handoff the entire time he was playing at Tennessee. The only time I saw him lose a yard was the 2000 Florida game where Randy Sanders for the second year in a row thought it'd be a good idea to call a toss play on third and one when a first down up the middle gets, sorry, first down up the middle gets the win. Very, very, very dumb decision by Randy Sanders because Travis Henry up the middle was guaranteed to get a yard. I can't say that for Jalen Wright yet. I mean, last weekend against Texas A&M, there was an obvious third and one play to hand it off and he gets stuck, uh, tackled behind the line of scrimmage. So that's the only thing I will say is, you talk about Emmett Smith maybe falling forward, and you said what you said about Travis Henry. And you're right. I see him running hard like Travis Henry. I don't see him physically able to guarantee you a yard every time he touches the ball at a minimum. No. Well said. Uh, uh, Brian says, I think Coach Mack just said he was watching backs like Sweetness and TD or Tony Dorsett. Not sure Coach meant he runs like them. I don't think he did. Um, I think he, he said the leg kick is similar, though. That's what threw me off with Wright and Peyton. Right. I, I think it's. I think it's just impressive he's going back and watching those old tailbacks. I mean, to me, that shows a sign of respect to history. And there's a lot you could learn. Listen, if you're playing tailback, who could you better learn from than Walter Payton and Tony Dorsett, which turned into Dorsett later in his career for some reason? Oh, those my gosh, the- it was Dorsett. I thought it was Terrell Davis. Oh, no, he was talking about to- yeah, Tony Dorsett. I wow. don't see... Yeah, I, I don't see Terrell Davis out of him, but uh, Tony Dorsett 
is was a, a beautiful runner with a Tennessee tie because he was coached by Johnny Majors. Yep. Yep. Part absolutely. of that recruiting class where Johnny Major signed about a hundred people, and then the NCAA stepped in and said, "You can't do that anymore." Yeah, but, but the rule was okay there, so go ahead and uh, go ahead and go there. Uh, and uh, Moon Drop Beauty, who uh, makes the channel better looking every day when she posts, I think Jabari may be better on third and one. To be honest, if you're running between the tackles, yeah, I got no problem with that. I think uh, Jabari Small doesn't have necessarily the wiggle that Jalen Wright has, but Small despite his name, might be a better power back between the tackles. But, hey, listen, let's all get excited about Jalen Wright because in this day and age, you don't see one tailback takeover games, and he's probably not going to do that. But, man, he's playing at a really high level. And I want to remind you that uh, you can bet at a really high level and you can gamble at a really high level. Thanks to our friends at Zen Sports. I'll tell you about that here momentarily. And uh, the thing about Zen Sports, let me just go ahead and do it now. Zen Sports, the new sports book in Tennessee, revolutionizing the way you earn sports betting rewards. That means no more deposit bonuses that turn into deposit nightmares. On Zen Sports, what you see is what you get with their cash rewards program. You get a lot of cash for a welcome bonus. Earn an unlimited 5% cash back on your betting volume. For your first 15 days when you sign up with promo code hooked, that's hooked. Unlimited 5% cash back. Keep betting, keep earning with up to 3% cash back on your betting volume every month after that. Refer friends to earn a percentage of their betting volume as cash rewards too. Zen Sports bringing the cash back to Tennessee. So if you bet big on sports, you want to be betting on Zen Sports. Zen Sports betting just got better. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-889-9789. Must be 21 and over. And in Tennessee to bet. So... The players that will have the biggest impact in the Tennessee-Alabama game. Five key players for the Vols and five key players for the University of Alabama Crimson Tide. Look at Moon Drop Beauty bringing it. Uh, Jalen is a dog. I love that. Uh, no question about it. And also, let's face it, having uh, Cooper Mays back makes this a way different offensive line. But in all fairness to the other four guys that are out there, they were pretty good at running the football before Coop even made it back. I think what Coop does as much as anything is bring stability to Joe Milton. I think that's what he brings to the fold. And I think Joe Milton is more comfortable with Coop there. But uh, we, we could argue that. But I got to get to those five key balls and five key Crimson Tide players. And when uh, Caleb Calhoun rings out one of these players, I'm going to say one of two things. Hey He'll have a big game or that's crazy. he won't have a big game. So let's take a look at those balls, the five key balls in the Tennessee-Alabama game. Roll them out for me. Start with number five. Let's work our way down. Caleb, and it is brought to you by AndyMasonRealEstate.com. AndyMasonRealEstate.com, real estate experts with over four decades combined experience in East Tennessee. I love him. I love him. Best prices, best service in the biz. Support our sponsors. That's why we're here. And if you've got any real estate sort of inclination, Andy's not going to try to push something down your throat. I had that happen to me before one time with a realtor. Andy's just going to say, hey, do you, do you like this house? Here's the best we can do with it. We can take care of this. We can take care of you. My name's Andy Mason. I'll take care of you. AndyMasonRealEstate.com. He is simply awesome. All right. 
five Vols. Do you want to start with the Vols or the Crimson Tide there, young man? Uh, let's go ahead and start with the Vols since you named them first. Okay, let's start with the Vols. I'm excited. I'm going to tell you hey he has a great game or that's crazy. this might be a little bit much at Bryant and Denny. All right, what do you got? Number five. All right, and I, you guys can be both of these online right now. I've got them both up on the site for the Vols and the Crimson Tide. He gets up at like 3.45, guys. Read the site, and if you don't, you're crazy. By the way, you can order autographed copies by Fred White of uh, the book Celebrate 98. We're going to have Billy Ratliff on there. We're going to have more players on there. Autographed copies now, and you can have those as keepsakes for the holidays. I don't have a lot of those autographed by players, so I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, order them now for the holidays. And Fred White's a great man. All right, number five, roll it out there. Number five is Elijah Herring. And this is because mm. Jalen Milrow is a, this is the first dual threat quarterback Tennessee has faced all year. We know about what Aaron Beasley does as a playmaker at outside linebacker, but the middle linebacker is going to be key to maintaining what you taught, what you call gap integrity from the front seven. That's key for the middle linebackers. And he's got to make sure he knows when to stand spy, when to, when, when to rush, when to drop in coverage. It's key for Elijah Herring to make the right. He's gotten better each week. He's got to be even better this week. Yeah, and there's a good chance he might be the spy on Jalen Milrow at times. And you uh, you cannot let him. And Tennessee, he might face that every week last year from Jaden Daniels on, a mobile quarterback that could beat you with his legs. But you've got to make sure that Jalen Milrow doesn't beat you with his legs or it's going to be a long game. So that's a great pick, Hank. Hey, now. Oh, yeah, it is. All right, number four. Number four, we've been talking about them all morning already. Jalen Wright, not much else to say. <laughs> number three. Great pick. Number three. Now, he may not have a great game, but he's a key player, Joe Milton. Well, he's got to be a key player, but I think it was evident last year, last week, against Texas A&M, he can play poorly and Tennessee can still win. So I'll give you a – That's crazy. He could still play very average, and Tennessee could win. But you're no, looking at you, me You're looking at me with a you're looking at me with a disagreement, Blair. You said poorly, then you said average. Those are different things, Dave. Oh, okay, true. So he played poorly last week. Okay, for instance, against Florida in '98, T. Martin played average, not poorly. He played average. Joe Milton played poorly last week. He has to at least play average. And it's Alabama on the road. It's not Texas A&M at home. Okay. Can he throw out the same stat line, which what, 11 or 22 for 100 yards or something? What was the stat line? Can, can he That's do that exactly it. against Alabama and still win? He can if he has no interceptions and he ran for another 100 yards. Okay. I can roll with that. All right. Who else you got um, uh, as far as key balls in this game versus the top? Uh, all right. Number two, and this is a big one. Wesley Walker. And I want to break down why real quick. Dave, did you know that Alabama, they're not good on 10-yard on routes. They're not good on 20-yard routes. Jalen Miller was not that accurate. Did you know they're the best team in the country on deep balls this year, though? Did not know that. Yes. They are fifth in the nation right now in passes of 40 yards or more. Fifth. And they don't even throw that much. Their identity is... Jay is loyal you to sleep with Jalen Milrow's mobility and their run game. And then Milrow hits you over the top for a deep ball. It's very much. Remember Tim Tebow in the NFL where he lulled you to sleep running the ball all the time. And then he always like in the fourth quarter would throw like a 40 yard pass downfield and get you each time that one year with Denver. That's very much Alabama this year. 
Nope, I got you with that. So who's number Wait, is that one? a hint? You're not even going to hanker uh, Tracy me on that one? No, I'll give you a... No, I think that's an easy Hank Kingsley. I think that's a yes, huge so. one. Wesley Walker's huge. Yeah, so then lastly, the most important player, and this goes with the deep ball, stopping the run, and just everything in between, James Pierce Jr., the superstar of Tennessee right now. Hey now, hey now, hey now. Absolutely. And can I throw Byron Young in there as well? One of the Byron guys. Young. To... You mean Amari Thomas or Tyler? Uh, yeah, throw Amari Thomas in there as well. Uh, well, Byron Young's of... not here anymore, or not. Yeah, Byron anymore. Young isn't here. Uh, T- Tyler Barron, excuse me. Yeah, I, yeah. One of those guys needs to create a strip sack, right? Right. Yes. This is yes. Yes. Remember. You remember you were covering Tennessee in 2004 when they beat Alabama when John Chavis challenged his defense to score a touchdown the week of the Alabama game, and then they got it like the second play of the game. That's something Tennessee go. needs this week. Now, and Tyler Barron isn't as good uh, as James Pierce, but remember this. He's he's probably helped by uh, uh, James Pierce. And, yes, I meant Tyler Barron. My apologies. But he is a guy that uh, I believe that Tennessee um, – if that's your second-best pass rusher, it's a sign that the – uh, entire roster has gotten considerably better. So how about those five uh, Crimson Tide uh, players that could have a big impact? All right, so first is linebacker, or edge rusher Chris Braswell. Now, Chris Braswell is no Will Anderson, but Tennessee doesn't have Darnell Wright. So, you know, it's a drop-off on both sides. And Alabama, as you know, Dave, Nick Saban, the jack position is huge for Alabama's success on defense. And so Chris Braswell is just there just in general because of that. No, very true. Where do you think that Alabama, this, this might be a little bit surprising for you, but where do you think that Alabama ranks in terms of sacks per game? Have you had a chance to look that up yet? Do you already know it? If you know it, don't cheat. I do not know it. Do you know where it is? They're number two at 3.7 per game, but behind Texas A&M, which leads the conference at 4.1 sacks per game, and Tennessee did pretty well against them. All right, who else is key for the Crimson Tide? All right, we're looking at, uh, even though Jace McClellan is Alabama's most productive player on offense, I'm going to go Jermaine Burton as the most important skill player for them to keep an eye on. I love Jermaine Burton as, as a player, so I will give that a... Hey now. All right, good roll. All right, what do we got at number three, counting them down? All right, number three is their strong safety, Caleb Downs, who leads the league, who leads the team in tackles, solo tackles, and interceptions. Joe Milton has thrown four interceptions in three SEC games. If Joe Milton looked as bad as Caleb Downs is that guy. All right, I'm going to uh, – uh, Caleb Downs, to me, is a key player. I wouldn't have him in my top five, but uh, – so I'm going to go. That's crazy. But he's still very good and a key player. All right, who else you got number two? All right, number two, their top playmaker on the team this year so far, Dallas Turner, leads the team with uh, nine and a half tackles for a loss, seven sacks already at linebacker. This dude is a weapon, and Tennessee has to account for him no matter what. Uh, yeah, you, you've absolutely got to you, – you have to contain him. I mean, t- Tennessee, the way their offense is rolling right now, if you want to call it rolling, they have to make some plays. They have to be consistent. But this is not about gobbling up 50 yards at a time. This is about not giving up uh, some big plays because that could certainly flip the game and make it one-sided. So I'm with you on that. Hey, now. And who's number one? 
And number one is very, very obvious, Jalen Milrow. And Tennessee and Alabama are actually identically matched in so many ways. The one difference is I think everybody in the world has more faith in Joe than in Jalen Milrow right now than they do Joe Milton. Yep. And Jalen Milrow, this has been kept pretty quiet, uh, but he has had a, a bit of a hamstring issue. Now, this was a couple of weeks ago, but those things don't go away. I tell you what, if he's 80% of the runner that he usually is, that's big for the Vols, right? I mean, he doesn't have to be completely out of the game for him to be less of a factor in the running game. If he's 80%, then that changes the way this game plays out, right? Yeah. As a matter of fact, like you said, he's he hasn't run the ball at all really the last two weeks. They've kept him in the pocket most of the time. If I think that plays right into Tim Bing's hands. And I think you agree that, right? That is, he can't, he can't throw 10 to 20 yard routes. He can only throw the deep ball and run. And if he can't run, Tim Banks is going to have fun. So the next thing I'm doing, I have been doing for approximately 25 years of my career. And I'm going to tell my favorite Alabama joke. Okay. Why was the toothbrush invented in Alabama? And I will answer that after this, along with Jimmy Hyams, who's going to talk some Joe Milton. If anybody answers it correctly, heck, I'll shoot you out of shirts. How about that? Why was the toothbrush invented in Alabama? Don't let me forget on the other side, because, you know, I can get scatterbrained at times during the show, especially with Jimmy coming up. So in two minutes, Jimmy Hyams and the answer to the greatest joke of all time. Stay tuned. Off the hook sports. Sun, sand, and salt water, the beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. Sports Treasures in North Knoxville is one of the South's largest sports cards and memorabilia dealers, featuring over 10 million sports cards from vintage to modern. Sports Treasures carries a full line of hobby boxes, singles, autographed memorabilia, Tennessee ball collectibles, fan cave decorations, and so much more. See a museum full of collectibles at Sports Treasures, 4819 North Broadway in Fountain City, and Sports Treasures on Facebook. Sports Treasures, where the real sports fan goes to shop. Have you seen the latest TriStar Hats Co. product? TriStar Hats Co.? What's that? You know, those really cool hats, shirts, tumblers, and even license plates with three stars like the official Tennessee flag and stripes like the American flag. Pretty patriotic if you ask me. Ah, gotcha. Seen those. Those are cool. Where can I get them? Simple. TriStarHatsCo.com. And if you order now, there's 10% on any order $50 or more. Plus, use the promo code HOOKED. With the promo code HOOKED, you get 10% off. That's HOOKED. And don't forget free shipping with any order over 50 bucks. Stock up at TriStarHatsCo.com. That's TriStarHatsCo.com. There are plenty of wannabes out there, so make sure you go to TriStarHatsCo.com for the best quality and customer service. Will do, and I'll be sure to use the promo code HOOKED. That's HOOKED when I do to save an additional 10% off. TriStarHatsCo.com. TriStar Hats Co. is a trademark of TriStar Hats Co. LLC. Any use without express written consent is prohibited. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Um, who's this guy? Hello, wizard. The Dave Hooker Show. Ooh. A presentation of Off the Hook Sports. What? YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. Back to Dave Hooker. You saw, by the way, just moments ago talking about TriStar hats, and you need to check them out. If you go to TriStar Hats Co., uh, you can certainly get a fantastic, fantastic game day apparel and use the promo code HOOKED, and you'll get 10% off. That's pretty awesome. We're going to be sporting the TriStar before long and looking forward to that. Campbell Cunningham, Taylor, and Han, look at me, no glasses no contacts enjoy life better when you see better local vision service for lasik cataract surgery and regular eye examination just look at me i've got no contacts i've got no glasses and i absolutely love it so going back to your five balls that were key you didn't pick a receiver if i would have told you that last year what would you have said that i was crazy I don't think I picked a receiver going into last year's game either. Funny enough. Um, I did not see Jalen Hyatt doing what he was going to do. I thought that it was going to be more of a spread the ball around because of Alabama's defense last year. So I didn't think there was going to be any one standout. I thought Bruce McCord, Ramel Keaton and Jalen Hyatt were all going to get some plays. I didn't realize Jalen Hyatt was just going to just do what he did. And I don't think Alabama thought Jalen Hyatt was going to do what he did. So this year, you're right. It is a little bit different. I still could see Squirrel White and your favorite name, Sake person, Chaz Nimrod, making plays. But I, I, it was hard for me because of, of the situation Tennessee's in right now. Okay, here's my joke. Why was the toothbrush invented in Alabama? And a couple of people stole it and already saw it. But the answer is, if it was invented anywhere else, it would be the teeth brush. And Dave, I'm going to ruin your joke because the problem is that's originally a joke for West Virginia, well, not Alabama. Yeah, but it should be for Alabama. Then somebody also, to... also, the, it actually still fits in a literal sense because for those who don't know, the toothbrush was invented in England and they have terrible teeth in England. <laughs> no, but it works because then you call into question both grammar and oral hygiene. So uh, Jimmy loves that joke, I'm sure. Uh, Jimmy. Uh, you Have you heard this joke before? Why was the toothbrush invented in Alabama? Uh, something about how they only have one tooth or something? Kind of. But <laughs> if it was invented anywhere else, it would be the teeth brush. Yeah. <laughs> Which, if you think about it, it's both grammar and oral hygiene, because shouldn't it be the teeth brush? It shouldn't be the toothbrush. 
Yeah, most of us have more than one tooth. <laughs> you know what I love about it. you know what I have to say I love about Southerners? You know what we all do, what we're guilty of? We all make fun of other states for stereotypical Southern stuff, whereas if a Yankee made fun of the South in general about those things, we'd all be offended. Like if well, somebody from course. New York, yeah, it's 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 like somebody from New York came down and said, you guys all have one tooth, we'd be offended. But then we can go around saying Alabama has one tooth or Arkansas is, is accused of being the incest state. But most people up north are like, well, aren't all the Southern states like that? <laughs> So that's like, I can make fun of my brother, but you can't. Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly right. And then, but with the exception of Florida, and they're just kind of out all on their own. I'm not sure if they're Southern or what, but the best are, stories like always. Children. Okay, sorry. <laughs> the, the best stories always begin with Florida man blank. And then it's usually uh, nothing great uh, coming out of that. All right. So. We get to visit with Jimmy Himes each and every Wednesday, and we love that. Jimmy, let me start with your column on Joe Milton. And you were one of the first to say that you like Joe Milton, um, that he brings a lot to the table. But it was a couple of weeks ago, said you didn't think that Tennessee's offense could run at a high level without Joe Milton. You've been proved exactly right. And Tennessee has to win in different ways. But what are your thoughts on on Joe Milton after seeing him for a couple more weeks? I would encourage people to check out the column on offthehooksports.com. I, I thought it would be better than he's been. Uh, and I admitted that I was influenced by his offensive MVP performance against Clemson in the Orange Bowl. Uh, I was uh, influenced by the fact he was in the system for the third year with Josh Heupel. I was influenced by what I thought would be a pretty good receiving core. I, yeah, I knew they would miss uh, Jalen Hyatt and, and Cedric Tillman, but I thought Dante Thornton was going to be a good addition. Uh, I thought Brew McCoy was a really good receiver. I thought Squirrel White would do well. And um, uh, Rumel Keaton has regressed. So this receiving core, frankly, is not that good. And I think all of those things have added up to where Joe Milton has not been that effective. I, I think there are at least eight or nine quarterbacks in the SEC that are playing better than Joe Milton. I thought he'd be among the top five quarterbacks in the SEC. He's not. And um, and then you get into this difficulty, and I think this is a, a real concern. If you go to Nico, you, you, you may lose that locker room because there are a lot of the players in there that love Joe Milton. Love him. However – if Joe Milton goes nine for 30 against Alabama with three interceptions, you don't have a choice. So. No, and you're right about the locker room. Everybody loves him in that locker room, but I think they also love winning. So yeah. if Nico on the flip side went out there and went you know, 26 of 32 for 420 yards and Tennessee wins big in game X, whatever that might be, I think the players would, would be won over. Uh, pretty quickly. Okay. The worst case scenario is if you made a change and Nico played incredibly average. I agree with that. And, and I think back to a few years ago when Clemson had a quarterback named Kelly Bryant, mm -hmm. who they thought was going to be a good quarterback and he struggled and they went with Trevor Lawrence, which a lot of people thought was a bit of a gamble, but Lawrence played so well, everybody shut up, said, okay, we get it. And Kelly Bryant transferred and there wasn't a problem. So Dave, to your point, if Nico were to come in and play really well, like Trevor Lawrence did, then that would be okay. If he didn't, you got a problem. Yep, you certainly do, Caleb. Yeah, I actually think back to right before that switch happened, and that was the national title game the year before with Alabama and Georgia. Jalen Hurts mm -hmm. had bought way more goodwill than anybody 
and they benched him at halftime yeah. of the national title game and to have brought them back. Um, yeah. So Jimmy, it, it, can Joe Milton can, I, I know. Yeah. Tennessee can't beat Alabama. Joe Milton playing the way he's played. Can they beat Alabama if he can just up his level to say the way T Martin played the first five games of the 98 season where Martin struggled, but made key plays when necessary and wasn't necessarily poor, just wasn't great. Uh, I think you would be in the ball game with a chance to win. Um, you could you could certainly beat Alabama if he plays the way he did against Clemson. Um, anything short of that, I don't know if you would beat Alabama. Uh, I think, and here's the other thing too about Alabama: they're not great, but they've also got revenge on their side. Tennessee had revenge on its side when it played South Carolina, right? And look what happened. So Alabama is going to play at an elevated level against Tennessee. I am convinced of that. So an average performance by Joe Milton is not good enough. He's got to play, in my opinion, to beat Alabama, he's got to play at a higher level than that because I think Tennessee is going to get maybe Alabama's best game of the year. I'm going to go back to something that somebody said that Jimmy and I both enjoyed watching play and it's for some reason it stuck with me and it was it was Troy Aikman he said at one point the best attribute a quarterback can have is accuracy and to take that a step further uh, I played Jimmy Himes in racquetball and there's something about having natural hand-eye coordination I've got some physical ability but natural hand-eye coordination Jimmy has more and he beat me almost beat me left-handed um, when his I mean, right, almost, yeah, whatever. And so his, <laughs> his, his elbow was hurting, but Jimmy, I think some of that really is innate. I, I think that I know you were a good shooter. I never saw you shoot, but in basketball, I think I could go out there and practice for three months and work on my free throw shooting and get a little bit better. And you know, I've had this discussion before, mm-hmm. but I, I don't, I think you can go from, average to better but i don't think the guys like reggie miller that knocked down 95 percent of their free throws i don't think that's just practice i think there's something innate in them i agree with that i i think there's a there's a, a natural ability to do a lot of those things you can you can probably go from a 60 percent free throw shooter to 70 or 75 you don't go from 60 to 90 uh, and, I, and I think the same thing with a passer. Now, I'll say this. Th- there may be one exception to what I think is a rule, and, and I think Jalen Hurts has maybe improved as a passer uh, more than any quarterback I can remember because uh, he was not all that accurate uh, through college, and now all of a sudden he's he's uh, he's throwing more, with more accuracy at Philadelphia. But, yeah, I think typically you either have it or you don't. You can get a little bit better. You can go from a 250 hitter to maybe 280 or 290. But you can't go from 250 to 333. So, yeah, I, uh, and I, I think Milton, I think what we're seeing, he, he sort of is what he is. The, the other thing that I believe, and I guess Tennessee could argue with it, I don't think Tennessee runs his own read anymore. I think they're predetermined calls. I think they're telling – I think Joe Milton's handed it off regardless. And if that's not – if it is a read – then he does a poor job of that because I have seen multiple times when if he had kept the ball, he'd have run for 10 or 12 yards without being touched. So I think it's a predetermined read on their part, their part, which to me 
handcuffs the offense. Well, it's a good way. It's also a good way to get your quarterback killed. If, if he if he's making the decision or the coaches are making the decision whether or not he should keep or hand off, but in particular to keep, um, and you you can run into the wrong defensive end and get and get hammered pretty quick, Caleb. Well, but think about. I'm sorry. Go no, go ahead, Jimmy. No, go ahead. I just so think about how many times he has kept it. How many times did he keep it on a zone read against A and M? The answer zero. Now he ran an option. That's not his own read, and he kept it a couple of times on scrambles. Uh, I'm convinced that that play against Texas San Antonio on the first play of the game was a predetermined call. They told Joe, "You keep it regardless," and he ran for 81 yards because the road runners crashed in, which almost everybody does because they don't respect his run. Caleb, yeah. So Jimmy, um, on those lines, are we sure it's not Joe just making poor reads and refusing to run with it because? Look, the decision-making we're seeing from him is starting to get it, – it's getting worse. The, there were two plays we talked about, uh, Dave and I, on, on Saturday after the game that just – I can't get past. One is obviously the interception in the red zone. Gary Danielson mm-hmm. even had to, like, say that's an elementary mistake that a six-year quarterback mm-hmm. should not make. That was an obvious read yeah. on the safety that you can't make. The other one, though, was early in the game when he's running for the first down on a free play, and he steps out of bounds before the marker, and the marker's right in front of him. He sees where that's the right. first down marker is. So is it possible that Joe Milton could be just that bad of a decision maker where he's not keeping it on the reads? Is it possible? Yes. But after watching him this many times, I I think they have taken the decision making out of his hands because he's not a good decision maker. So mm-hmm. I think they've taken it away from him and said, you're going to hand it off. And, and, and Caleb, I agree with you. He doesn't really like to run. But then I found it intriguing in the second half, he decides to run over two people. And get up and wolf at him. Well, where has that been? What? So I, yeah. I, I don't get that. And it, and he should have done it on the first down you're referring to. If he had to try to run over somebody, he should have. Instead of running out of bounds about a yard and a half or two yards short of a first down. So I just in watching him, and, and I try to study this. And look, I, I may be wrong, but I just I don't see him reading this. I see him just handing it off because he does it consistently, even though he has got wide open space quite often, when you see the defensive end or the edge rusher or the outside linebacker crashing down, that that's what's convinced me that it's a predetermined call. This is going to sound really harsh, but I want to clarify. I, I don't think Joe Milton is dumb. I have no reason to believe that. I think that there's a difference between walking around street smarts or book smarts and football smarts. I think those are three completely different things. You may be the smartest guy on the football team, but I've seen enough to wonder, Jimmy, if if, if his football IQ is significantly lower than what we've become accustomed to out of a starting quarterback. So here's what I've been told in that regard. You get him in the quarterback room, the film room, and he's really good. He knows what to do. He knows what he's supposed to do. He knows who to throw it to. He knows what the defenses are. He knows how to read it. And then he gets on the football field, and it doesn't translate. So I think his football IQ during the course of a game is not very good. His awareness, going back to what Caleb said, he runs out of bounds a yard and a half or two-yard chart of a first down you got to be aware of that. So I, I don't think that he plays with the high football IQ the way Hendon Hooker did. But if you get him on a chalkboard, he's fine. Yep. That, that's exactly what I meant. And, 
you might get an A plus in Spanish too, which I almost failed at UT. But there, there's a football IQ thing going on that I, I and 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 listen, John Adams. I don't want to put words in his mouth, but he talked about that Ole Miss game. And he he said that that was the kind of play that you may not ever overcome. Not that he couldn't overcome that play, but that's just the way he processes the game. Let's change gears a little bit as history actually favors Tennessee at Alabama. Uh, I want, I want Caleb to present this and uh, cause I don't know where he's going. It's brought to you by Herald group security solutions, leadership experience, specialization, addressing problems through unique mission specific uh, techniques also making your children safer one school at a time. We're working with private schools now. We want to work with public schools. So go to your school administrator, make the push. You need to work with Harold, grp.com, Harold Group Security Solutions, making your children safer. But make that push. Go to the school administrator. Let's get this done because we've all heard of the tragedies that have happened on school campuses. So uh, here's here's the headline as I see it. History favors balls at Alabama. Tell me, Caleb, how, how how this can be the case and the parallels to 1983. Because I'm I'm trying to work mm. with you here, brother. I don't I don't know about this one. <laughs> All right, so let's take this back to 1956. That's the year that this officially became the series of streaks. As you guys both know, the history of this series is when one program is up, the other program is down. They've never been up at the same time, really. So it's a series. It's a it's a series of streaks, long term. Now. That's the first part. So just that part of the history alone says that if Tennessee won last year, then they should be starting a streak of their own. Now, on a much more specific level, 1983, the parallels. So if you guys remember, 2022 was very much like 1982, which is Tennessee ended a double-digit losing streak to Alabama against the Hall of Fame coach at home when Alabama was number two and undefeated. Both times, 82 and 2022, and fans stormed the field toward on the goalpost. What happened in 1983? Tennessee was a heavy underdog going to a one-loss Alabama that was ranked number 11, which is right where they're ranked right now. And they shocked Alabama thanks to a top-10 defense and an elite rushing attack led by one Johnny Jones back then. And what is Tennessee right now? A year after ending a double-digit losing streak at home to Alabama? They are going to Alabama when Alabama's number 11, heavily favored with one loss. And they have a top 10 defense and a dominant running game. There you go. Let's end the show, Jimmy. Tennessee wins, beats Alabama. You heard it here first. Thoughts? Uh, Hamburger says they don't. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And I I get all the uh, the comparisons. I think that's really good homework. Um, But I – who was was Joe Milton the quarterback in 1983? No, but Alan Cockrell was. Was he much better? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Cockrell was a better quarterback. Yes. Okay, not as okay. gifted. He was also a great baseball player, by the way. Yeah, he uh, did go play baseball. But he was and 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 get a load of this. He actually, believe it or not, kept Tony Robinson on the bench for an extra year. So he was pretty good. Oh, that is yeah. impressive. And Tennessee did go nine and three in '83, I think, but. Um, that was Reggie they, they White, and they had Reggie White, who was as dominant a defensive player as you'll ever see in college. But that's football. another that's another parallel. They have James, ah, Pace James, well. Be- yeah, and Aaron Beasley, who didn't play against Clemson, but he's still a really good player. <laughs> Jimmy, the Clemson game didn't happen, and Joe Milton is proof of that that the Clemson game didn't happen. 
That was a simulation, guys. Okay. I'm gonna have to lean toward you on that one. I, I, I was, I, uh, that now Beasley didn't fool me. Milton did, as far as the Clemson game. You, but, um, in the past couple of weeks, I did have somebody tell me, Jimmy, you'll find this interesting within the program. They said that they were actually shocked at how well Milton played in the Orange Bowl, and that they thought that the, the Milton that we're seeing now is more the Milton that is true to form that uh, they were really surprised by how, how well he played against Clemson. Um, I think the Milton we're seeing right now is more true to his form because we've seen it uh, repeatedly. Um, I thought against Clemson, he had turned the corner and I thought a part of the reason was he'd been in the system this long. And I had somebody say, well, he only played a good second half. Well, his first half numbers were actually better than his second half numbers. His completion percentage, his number of completions, his yards, all of that was better in the first half than the second half. So I thought he played a real solid game. And I thought if Tennessee got that out of Joe Milton consistently, that they would have a really good team. Well, they haven't gotten it out of him consistently. And and I don't think the receivers have helped. And, And here's another thing, too. I am amazed that this running game is averaging, what, 232 yards a game? Whenever you got a quarterback that won't keep it on a quote zone read, I think they'd be averaging over 250 if he kept it on his own read, maybe even more. But he doesn't give you a threat. Therefore, uh, I think they now the one thing they do that a lot of teams don't. I, I wasn't surprised they ran effectively against AM. Tennessee spreads it, they make you cover the field 53 yards wide because they spread out the receiver sideline to sideline, which means it's really hard for you to put seven in the box. Sometimes it's hard to put six in the box. But if you got six in the box or five in the box, that's a running down for Tennessee, and they've done really well with that. And I do think Cooper Mays has helped his return. You know, they didn't run the ball well against Florida, right, on the road, but they didn't have Cooper Mays. How well did they do against Alabama? They're not going to run for 232, but they should run for more than 100. Uh, And if they run for 150 to 180, I guess that gives them a chance to stay in the game. But Joe Milton has got to play – above average he can't he can't perform like he did against AM for Tennessee to have any chance to win in Tuscaloosa no and and Jimmy from our message board Dan had this to say are you saying the coaches can't see this I mean how did they not do something um I, I assume he's referring to the uh, zone read um that's why I think it's pretty that's why I think it's predetermined I think they do see it oof I, th- I think they see that he is not good at reading the zone read, and so it's a predetermined call. I can't ha- – how can you explain that he never kept the ball on the zone read against AM? Not once. It's good. Uh, well, when he does keep it, that, that's a good way to get shellacked, or it's a good way to get your running back hit really hard repeatedly. I mean, you've got to make that read. I don't think you can go in predetermined. I think that's just bad business in, in general. Uh, I Jimmy, so we'll, we'll bring up the the conversation that I think people want to have but kind of don't want to have, and that's Nico. <laughs> what does it take? I, I mean, I'm, I have trouble pronouncing his name still, Jimmy, so that makes it easier. Uh, what does it take for Nico Iamaleava to get in the game? You and I differ a little bit on this. I think that uh, – I think – that Joe Milton would have to play really poorly. But let's say he put up the same stat line he put up last week against Texas A&M. 
which was what, 11 to 22 for 100 yards, I believe mm-hmm. it was. Let's that's say, he, yeah, let, that's pretty bad. Yeah. Let's say he does that and they lose by 20 points. Do you think that Nico is a factor the following week? Do you think there could be something there? I do. Whoa. Breaking news, kids. Now, again, it it gets back. I I said nine of 30 for three interceptions. If he's 11 of 22 for 100 yards and throws a couple of picks and they get beat by 20, and it's obvious you can't win with him at quarterback, I think they could go to Nico. But here, here's the other thing I don't know. How good is Nico in practice? Is he Does he perform well? Uh, does he look good? Is he throwing accurately? Is he looking good on the zone read? Is he reading defense? Is he on the same page with the receiver? If he's doing those things, which I'll go back to this, I believe Trevor Lawrence was doing at Clemson before they put him in for Kelly Bryant. If he's performing at a high level in practice and Milton has an awful game in Alabama – I, I think I would roll the dice and go with Nico. Again, an awful game. Now, that's that's relative to what you would consider an awful game. But I, I think they would have to look in that direction uh, if, uh, if Milton plays poorly in Tuscaloosa. As far as practice, I've been told that he gets about 50% of the snaps, which is a lot for a backup, and that he would be ready to go. But they absolutely love Joe. So, I will I will stand by that, but that doesn't mean you can't fall out of love uh, with with Joe Caleb. Anything else, sir? So you may say Alan Cockrell's better than Joe Milton, Jimmy, but which running which running game is better? Eighty three or twenty twenty three? Jalen Wright or Johnny Jones? Who are you taking? Oh, twenty twenty three because they also have Dylan Sampson. They also have Jabari Small. I don't think Tennessee averaged any anything near two hundred thirty two yards in nineteen eighty three. Yeah, well, James Caleb. Pierce or Reggie White? No, I'm kidding. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> uh, no, that's not quite the same. <laughs> hey, uh, Jimmy, great stuff. We love your prediction columns. We love your breakdown throughout the week on Off the Hook Sports. And uh, for semi-retired, you put in a lot of hours. People can still hear you on the uh, Sports Animal on Fridays and I believe Sunday mornings. And also uh, at John Pennington Cat with the Sports Source. Uh, they can see you there. Anywhere else they can catch your fine work? Uh, football finals on Saturday with Ford Reves. Yes. And, and guys, look, I wouldn't do this on a Wednesday unless I loved you two guys. That's the only way you could get me to work during the week because I, I was going to try to swear off Monday through Thursday. But the opportunity to work with you two guys, I couldn't pass that up. It's huge. It's huge. It's and nice. I can hear a little and in the background. So get to that yes. grandson. Yeah. All right. Uh, Guys, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Enjoyed it. Nobody better than Jimmy Himes. That is fantastic. Uh, could we see the Nico thing happening fairly soon? I don't think I, Jimmy's kind of hinting, but usually when Jimmy hints, he, he knows something. Would you, would you be okay? What's pull up the schedule? Okay, pull up the schedule. Let me let, let me ask you this, and and the message board as well. So. We all know that Tennessee plays Alabama uh, this week. So what are the chances that he plays meaningful snaps against Alabama this week? Give me a percentage breakdown. Zero, unless he gets hurt. I'm still on the zero percent unless he gets hurt. They're, they've stuck with Milton through this far, so zero percent this week. Mm, I'm going to give it a 20% chance if Joe Milton is just absolutely struggling in the first half. 
that Nico could run out there in the second half. So I'm going to give it a 10 to 20% chance. What about Kentucky at Kentucky the following week? See, that's where, and this is where it's, I don't like to go game by game because I'm very much like just looking at it on a macro scale. If Joe Milton struggles at Kentucky and Tennessee is losing to Kentucky or the game is over, like Kentucky has a comfortable lead in the third or fourth quarter, Joe Milton's being pulled. That won't happen against Alabama. It's a 100% chance at that point because then you can play Nico against UConn and really get him ready against a weaker team. Okay, so I would be along the lines of, let's say Nico just plays like he did last week, okay? Uh, I'd be along the lines of 10 to 20% chance that he gets pulled against Alabama. I would be 20 to 40% chance if he's still playing. You know, he's 50% passing completion. Uh, the and he's and he's not getting the ball downfield. I think there's a 20 40 percent chance they can make a change during the Kentucky game if his play continues. And we're all hoping that Joe Milton plays well because he's a great kid. But if that play continues against Connecticut, I'd go 51 percent. See, I go which is slightly better than half. Sorry, Caleb. I go I go 51 percent with Kentucky if it continues against Kentucky and Tennessee's losing. If you lose to Kentucky because Joe Milton played bad, there's no coming back from that, Dave. Alabama's one thing. You lose to Kentucky, there is no the point in no return. Well, Garrett see, Julie was, was fired before his last year because he lost to Kentucky. Okay, but see, here was the point that I, I don't think I did a good job of making, frankly, is if if, if he play if he's the 11 of 22, 100 yards, and Tennessee beats Kentucky and loses a close game to Alabama, you have two ways of looking at this. This is a football team that can still make a New Year's Day Power Six Bowl, Power Six Bowl, or you have a team that doesn't have a championship to play for. So what no, weighs heavier in the coach's mind? Yeah, if he, if they beat Kentucky, that I'm not talking about if they beat Kentucky. I'm saying if they're losing to Kentucky in the third quarter and he's playing like that, he's getting pulled. Okay, he's 11 to 22 for the next two games. Do they and make they a change? And they and. They lose to Alabama and they beat Kentucky. What's happening at UConn? He's staying. He's staying in. If he doesn't get meaningful snaps against UConn under that scenario, I don't know what they're thinking. I yeah, no, I'm with you. I, I'm not wow. saying you're wrong. I'm not disagreeing with your take, but um, I think you and I would agree that it would be it would be time to to take a hard hard look. Um, we'll, we'll we'll see if he, this do. is turning into uh, Rex Ryan Mark Sanchez relationship. At that point, remember Rex Ryan would absolutely not a, bench Mark Sanchez. All he needs is a good butt fumble. Apex Apparel Group design brand market your way. Unique products to promote your business with unparalleled customer service. ApexApparelGroup.com. ApexApparelGroup.com. Tell them Off the Hook Sports sent you. They're right down there if you're listening, no matter what platform. And speaking of on those platforms, give us a rating if you don't mind on Spotify or Apple. That helps us greatly. Appreciate that. And also, be sure you hit that like and subscribe button. Our, our subscription, I, I'll be honest with you. I love you guys. I love everybody listening. But you got to tell some people to subscribe because, listen, Tennessee stubbed their toe against Florida. They would be undefeated if Cooper Mays never got hurt. So I want to go ahead and tell you right now, tell somebody to subscribe. Say, you got to subscribe and you need to subscribe because we want you on board. This Tennessee football team has everything to play for and could still be undefeated. And this year, 
If they were, it would have been a better coaching job by Josh Heupel than last year. I'm still very bully on the balls. Are you? Click the like and subscribe button if you are. We'll be back in exactly two minutes, and South Carolina may be about to collapse, which is good news for the balls because when you recruit well in South Carolina, what do you do, Caleb? You win national championships. You win national championships. I was wondering if you would go there. You're exactly right. Two minutes for CC. I'm Dave Hooker. Stay tuned. Got cataracts? We can fix that. Never miss another moment. With a little help from Drs. Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn at cctis.com. Hi, I'm Rick Terry, and we at Rick Terry Jewelry Designs pride ourselves in the highest quality craftsmanship from a family-owned business here in Knoxville for over 35 years. At Rick Terry Jewelry Designs, we also take pride in being an affordable option for all your game day accessories, especially those fire opals. At Rick Terry Jewelry Designs, we want to be your jeweler every day and especially on game day. Go Vols! Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. These mountains hold and defend a spirit far better than moonshine a drink that holds flavor that becomes necessity a hard cider made and relished by folk who are as hearty as they are legend a refreshment that can only be found in one place with a taste that makes you say give me three bottles of the good stuff tennessee cider company where necessity can be found with the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's up, everybody? This is Jacob Warren asking you to like, subscribe, and share. Dave needs this. Okay, he does. Let's go. Objective coverage. Hey, that's new. If we get caught, we're going to jail. The Dave Hooker Show. A presentation of Off the Hook Sports. YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. I'm going to need to see some identification. Back to Dave Hooker. All right, he's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. I just posted on the message board on YouTube. Um, you think Nico plays by UConn, yay or nay? Because before the AM game, 
which by the way, Tennessee won. I, I heard a lot of people defending Joe Milton and afterwards where he played very average in this offense looked like it was a Yugo instead of a Porsche. Um, I, I've heard the opposite on, on our message board on YouTube. I've heard people say that they're ready to make the move. They're ready to see Nico. Be sure to hit that like and subscribe button. Cause here's what people have to say on the message board. When I asked the question during the break, I said, uh, so you think Nico plays by you Kanye or nay Rocky top. Tom says, Dave, honestly, I would suit my, Grandma Stinson up in UT Orange and have her sling the rock before I keep Joe Milton on the field one more snap. That's strong. Dan says Nico has to play against UConn. Cannot let him go into the next season with no game experience. And by the way, the mop-up duty doesn't count. So you're right, Dan. Uh, Mr. Jones says Joe doesn't look like a six-year quarterback. Rocky Top Tom saying I don't see it happening. Uh, also, it's incredibly too late. UTSA was the perfect Nico insertion moment. I told you that. I told. Did I not tell everybody that, Caleb? That was the moment. Yep, you did. You did. You did. That was the moment because you got Joe Milton with the knee thing and you got the backdrop where you're suddenly sounding like Bill Cosby. And I don't want to do that because he's a creepo. All right. Here we go. Uh, why college football in South Carolina? is about to collapse and this is huge for tennessee do you want to know why tennessee had so much success recruiting in south carolina which led to a national title do you, do, can i answer that question for you caleb go ahead they were in the middle of deciding whether or not that whole state whether they wanted to be proud of their racism and there were Confederate flags still flying. And I'm not going to get into this conversation, whether or not they should be flying, whether or not it's history, whether or not it's offensive. I happen to think it's offensive, but you make your own decision. And I remember telling someone I stopped by Maurice's barbecue and they had the yellow mustard sauce. And the guy said, who was an African-American, worked for UT and said, better be careful. People will think you're a racist. And I was like, why? They said, because at their they, they make all the barbecue in one place and then they divvy it out okay uh to the different locations so i didn't know this but there was a monstrous confederate flag flying above where they make all of the barbecue and they refused to take it down i think they finally took it down just a couple of years ago so there were a lot of uh people in south carolina minorities african americans that thought that they were stuck in like the 1880s and that's why they wanted to go elsewhere in a lot of situations. Now, it wasn't just that. It was the fact they had a guy named Brad Scott who couldn't coach. And Clemson didn't know a football from a hole in the ground. So there were a lot of factors. I don't think you really wanted to get into the racial aspect of it, Caleb. But you dug up something why South Carolina could be crashing down if they do. It doesn't just mean that Tennessee has an easier win in the SEC East. It means recruiting kids, and they'll be able to go into South Carolina and recruit all they need to. So explain to me what's going on in South Carolina. And by the way, Clemson is tumbling down as fast as you could tumble. Uh, and it's brought to you by the Hemp House, the premier hemp dispensary online with a wide variety, great selection, and strict standards to ensure you only receive the best in CBD or Delta 
products. Impulse Chat with two T's, impulsechat.com. All right, Caleb, tell me why you think South Carolina, the football state, is tumbling down and they are. Before we get to that, I want to piggyback on something you said real quick. That's why in 2006, when College Game Day was at South Carolina, they were at Tennessee, South Carolina, Steve Spurrier went public and lashed out at South Carolina fans for showing the Confederate flag on camera. He would, And everybody thought, how could he do that? He's coaching South Carolina. He's got to worry about his fans. So he was thinking about recruits. He wanted recruits to know, guys, that's not me, and I think this is ridiculous. He was doing that specifically for recruits because he was tired of struggling to recruit against that image. By the way, that held Ole Miss back for 50 years. It held Ole Miss back significantly in recruiting for 50 years, even in their home state. Some of that well, and they had the worst reputation, too, as far as how they treat their prospects that decide to go elsewhere. And listen, if you want to root against Harrison Smith, random name, for going to Notre Dame, that's fine. But if you want to threaten Harrison Smith's parents with their jobs, which happened, and I'm not going to name the player, but that happened with a player that came from South Carolina to Tennessee, and she ended up losing her job as a single mom. That's a whole different level. I mean, come on, guys. It's football. South Carolina has a bad chip on their shoulder in that state. And also, it was at once a perceived racist chip on their shoulder as well. So you're right with what you said about Steve Spurrier. So get me rolling with South Carolina and why they're tumbling now, aside from racial issues. I did not mean to go there. Okay, so it's threefold. Dabo Sweeney, Shane Beamer, and South Carolina Lindsey Graham, South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham, all with regard to football, are making fools of themselves. I'm not here to talk Lindsey Graham's politics. I don't care about that. This is specifically as it relates to college football. So I will go to each one, one by one. And I'm going to start with Dabo Sweeney. We know Dabo Sweeney has had a principle against the transfer portal, has publicly spoken out against NIL in ways that's going to upset his players. Well, which, even decided- if you, which even if you believe that is stupid, if you don't like NIL, you don't say it. You don't say it. You don't say it. Yes. He's now decided to blame the fans. He had a Jerry Green go to Kmart moment at Clemson this week. And I'm going on that level. So Dabo Sweeney said, asked about Clemson's struggles. And he said, we're at a point in time where if you don't go undefeated, you're losers. You're terrible. And it's such a terrible mindset. Honestly, maybe we need to lose a few games and lighten up the bandwagon. Sometimes the bandwagon can get a little too full. Dave, do you think Nick Saban would ever say anything close to that after losing? No, no. He's saying he needs to get rid of some fans. What is that all about? Yeah. Dabo Swinney basically said, we need to lose some games so you guys appreciate where you are. How about you take the Nick Saban approach, which is the human nature is to survive, not thrive. And our focus is on thriving. So if you stay great, the hard part is, if you get great, the hard part is staying great. Dabo Swinney's literally making the case. We've already been, we've already been great. Why are you complaining? That's a loser's mentality for a two-time national champion, isn't it? Totally agree. And the fact that he said maybe we need to lose some to get the uh, uh, some of the fans off the bandwagon was uh, idiotic. You, you would be almost idiotic if you didn't get on Facebook and follow Sports Treasures TN. That's Sports Treasures TN. Carrying over 5 million Sports Treasures and so much more. Follow on Facebook for the best sports memorabilia daily updates. Why else do you think South Carolina, the football state, is slipping quickly? So, after Dabo Swinney, here's the other coach at the other school in South Carolina, Shane Beamer. 
So in the most South Carolina fashion possible, he kicked an inanimate object out of anger in last week's loss and broke his foot. <laughs> Shame Beamer. And on top of that, he straight up threw his players under the bus over the weekend. Dave, I don't know if you heard his press conference on Monday, mm-hmm, but he said consistently called his players out for not blitzing when they had dialed up blitzes. And there was a moment, guys, go back and watch it, where he says, quote, we had the perfect call. You could not have had a better call when you're calling in around. We had the perfect call where we sent the edge on the brush and he didn't blitz. Just straight up called out his players, which that was literally what we attacked Butch Jones for four weeks ago. By the way, you call Shane Beamer like Butch Jones. You said he's like it. And that was the most Butch Jones thing to ever do. And guys, when you lose your team like that, Dave, what do we say? You can't really win him back at that point. You never get him back. And with, uh, I think Shane Beamer's a mix of how he perceives Philip Fulmer, who was a CEO and recruited like crazy. He's a mix of that and Butch Jones. And but he doesn't have the ability that Philip Fulmer did to recruit and close on big time guys. He also doesn't really have the the podium there in terms of that type of program at South Carolina that Philip Fulmer had at Tennessee. So that's what he wants to be. He was a graduate assistant at Tennessee. He wants to be like a Philip Fulmer CEO and have two great coordinators. Well, he doesn't have two great coordinators, and now he's turning on his players. So it could get very, very ugly there. And again, um, I, I don't have any reason. Is Clemson, despite winning two championships, is it viewed as an elite job, or did they just get the perfect coach at the perfect time and the perfect staff? You know, it is the second school to South Carolina in that state. South Carolina is the state school. So there are probably a lot of coaches that would look at the South Carolina job as actually being a better job than Clemson. So if that thing goes south, Caleb, then it's it's going to it's going to go real south at both schools. Uh, Trevor saying I really don't like Shane Beamer or Dabo and really cannot articulate why. I'm about with you on that. Uh, I I just don't think Shane Beamer um, is going to have success at South Carolina long term. I give him kudos for the way they closed last season. As far as Dabo Sweeney, I've said this before. I think that he was blessed with a great defensive coordinator. Brent Venables, who's now the head coach at Oklahoma, and you see what's happening there. You don't have that all of a sudden. What happened when Philip Fulmer lost uh, David Cutcliffe to Ole Miss? Um, Tennessee struggled. He had a guy that he could hand the offense off to, and he could go recruit like crazy. I mean, there were times that he would leave practice early in Kentucky and Vanderbilt weeks so he could uh, go make more recruiting phone calls. That was smart. It sounds crazy, but that was smart. So... Yeah, I, I don't see there being any way. And I know they they hired the um uh they they hired the offensive coordinator at um gosh, who what was his name at Clemson that's uh related to oh Garrett Riley. Garrett, Garrett Riley. Riley that's related to the Riley family. I mean, have we seen anything to think that they're breaking the mold on offense, or is he just another coach? No, he's just another coach. And also, I mean, remember when Dabo Swing introduced the spread in 2011, the ACC was still an outdated pro-style offense with very mediocre talent across the board. Dabo Swinney had Lane, Kip- Lane Kiffin pushed a bunch of Tennessee recruits into da- right into Dabo Sweeney's hands. And so a bunch of things worked in his favor. The worst part about this, though, Dave, is you got your two the two coaches of your state school saying this, but when, this, when a representative of your state in Washington – says something that players are going to disagree with that can 
that can be a sledgehammer to recruiting, can it? And oh yeah, when, I mean, you start saying we need some fans off the bandwagon. That's a really stupid thing to say. It is. So the third part of this leg is Lindsey Graham, who is the senator from South Carolina. And again, this is not about Lindsey. Look, Dave and I are very big. We don't talk politics on this show. But when Washington is going to get involved in college football and NIL, we have every right to talk about that at that point. And that's not political. They're trying to get their hands involved on some NIL. We have to talk about it. And Lindsey Graham complained yesterday about Olivia Dunn being the highest paid person in NIL. I don't know if she is, but he was trying to, uh, there was another NIL hearing in Congress and he was trying to like make a point. uh, It like implies she's overpaid. I'm like, who cares? Who cares? She's making money. Let her do it. If she can make money as a gymnast, let her make money as a gymnast. But then he said, quote, Utah is offering everybody on the team a new truck. There's no end to this between the portal and NIL college football is an absolute chaos. Well, no, it's actually not in chaos. And South Carolina has been trying to rely on the transfer portal to field a competitive team in the SEC right now. And your state, your U.S. senator representing your state is publicly lambasting you. Meanwhile, Tommy Tuberville in Alabama and Joe Manchin in West Virginia are trying to pass a bill that requires a uniform standard contract for athletes, for NIL. Your state representatives doing this Don't think your recruits don't see this, by the way. And Lindsey Graham is a graduate of South Carolina specifically. I'm sorry. That's a big deal. That's going to stand out. Yep. There we go. Let's talk a little hoops for a second, if you don't mind, because Tennessee picked to win the SEC. What? Viscovi Ziegler named first and second team all SEC. What? Here we go. Today's tough question brought to you by our friends at Tennessee Cider Company. Today's tough question. Take a side. Take a stand. The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of offthehooksports.com. Will Tennessee's basketball program be better or worse after Rick Barnes decides to hang it up or go to UCLA or whatever he decides to do? I ask you that question. I'm going to hold you to a yay or nay on the message board, better or worse after Barnes, because what he has done is built a foundation that Tennessee fans and prospects have noticed. And the Vols are a bit of a basketball school. Now they make the tournament each and every year. They just don't get deep into the tournament. So will the Vols be better or worse after Rick Barnes hangs it up in other words is he johnny majors in which another coach comes in like a philip fulmer benefits from his hard work and wins a national title or do we underestimate rick barnes and the fact that he's got tennessee to this level as far as pick to win the sec which is a big big deal what do you think today's tough question Fill in on the message board and we'll get to your answers is brought to you by Tennessee Cider Company. I'm so excited. I get to uh, check out their new facilities tomorrow and they've got a big expanded facility and they've got incredible cider. Uh, The original hard cider of the Smoky Mountains use the promo code hat to receive some free swag with your cider order hat 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 available most anywhere in the United States of America. So will the balls be better or worse? After Rick Barnes decides to hang it up, I ask you that, Caleb. So let's get this out for the context first. So media yesterday picked SEC to picked Tennessee to win the SEC. 
which is a huge accomplishment for Barnes to, to be that level of a favorite. This like that shows he's still got the program rolling. Two all SEC players from Tennessee, Santiago Vescovi as first team, Zakai Ziegler as second team. Both of them being back, Ziegler being healthy, and Josiah James being healthy. That's where the hype behind this team is. I'm going to play the odds, Dave, with what you said, and I'm going to say worse. And the reason they're going to be worse is what were they before, Rick Barnes? And models of consistency are hard to replace. Yes, national championships are hard to win. Rick Barnes, there's two instances. You brought up Johnny Majors. The one I think of more commonly is, is Mark Rick. Mark Rick to Kirby Smart. That was Georgia got better with Johnny majors to Phil former. The reason I don't really consider that is to former's credit. Former had a hand, a huge hand in all the work Johnny majors did to build that program. Most of the staff stayed at Tennessee in 93. And my understanding is you may know more about this, Dave. The, I felt like the entire staff sided with former over majors in the, in 92 and 93. And they all stayed with former. Mm, there were a lot of guys that were straddling the fence, just trying to make sure they stayed in Knoxville. But I, I do think most of them thought – because, listen, J Johnny Majors, if you talk to coaches – and I love Johnny Majors. God rest his soul. I loved him. I mean, he was my favorite coach to just sit down and have a conversation with of all time. But he was harder on coaches than any other coach out there, I'm told, by assistant coaches. And it's there were two guys that that, that in that era – that coaches didn't want to coach for. One was Johnny Majors. The other was Lou Holtz. And those were the two guys I was told that you did not want to coach for, that if you coached for them, you basically had to because you didn't have another opportunity. So I think they probably wanted to see Majors go, but they weren't sure enough to say, hey, I'm on the Phillip bandwagon because what if he stays? And then suddenly you're in a bad place. Rocky Top Tom says, worse Mr. Jones says better on offense. I could pretty much uh, guarantee you that. Rocky Top Tom says Rick Barnes can't be blamed for kids not putting out on the court. Well, kind of, sort of. I mean, ultimately, you're responsible for everything. And Barnes just needs an offensive coordinator on the message board. Well, an offensive coordinator? Goodness gracious. I mean, basketball is a fluid sport. Are, they, are we really going to start to break it down? I understand defensive coaches because you can teach technique and stuff, but your your offense is set up by your defense. I don't, I don't understand the OC well, stepping in. The reason he, they say that, look, Rick Barnes. Because their offense is terrible. Rick Barnes is two things. He's a recruiter because of his connections. And he's a developer of talent. He teaches the game of basketball well, which is why I've always said Rick Barnes should stop with the five stars and stick with like getting three and four stars that you know will be in the system for two to three years because that is a more value. A team full of a team with five three star seniors, well coached, who have been in the program for four years, always beats a one and done team in the NCAA tournament. That hasn't changed even to this day, honestly. And that experience is so valuable at March. Um, I think Rick Barnes. I look at Rick Barnes like a reliable, a reliable asset in the stock market. You're getting minimal, you're, you're getting a return on it. And it's a good investment when you think about retiring. And if you fire Rick Barnes thinking you're going to get something better, that's like moving from this and this asset in the stock market to Bernie Madoff because you're seeing these massive returns and not questioning it. Okay. That's what that is. Tre yeah. Trevor took my point entirely. Okay. Barnes is a hopeful bridge to the coach that takes Tennessee to the basketball promised land. I hope. 
okay, that's what I was kind of getting at. Thank you, Trevor. Great point. But how long is this damn bridge? I mean, <laughs> the bridge is good. I mean, the the bridge is pretty long. I mean, but who was the last coach before Barnes? You have to think about it. It's been so long. Oh, it was a uh, Donnie Tyndall who was last. I know, but you have to think about it for a you, second. The average fan has to think about it. You don't blow up the bridge thinking you can get something better when you have a model of consistency. If you're a program like Tennessee, if you're a program like Kentucky, yes, not a program like Tennessee. Look, you know this, Dave. Don DeVoe was basically run out of town despite having a consistently decent program. What happened to Tennessee after Don DeVoe was run out of town? They were garbage for a decade and a half. And you don't want that situation replaced. Replicate. Let me ask you this, and I'm going to pull a name out of the hat. I don't know him specifically, but you have Jay Wright, who had great success at Villanova. Villanova is a basketball school. There's a lot of pride there. But there's going to be more money at Tennessee than there is at, at Villanova long term. Could you, based off the success you've had at Tennessee, could you call Jay Wright and say, hey, and I'm just using Jay Wright as an example. You've had a neat little run here as a television commentator. You're very good at it. But if you're interested in coaching, you can win a national championship at Tennessee. Are you in? Could you call that? Could you call that top of guy? Because if you can't call that top of guy, whoever that guy is, you could probably give me Caleb some more names that you could lure people from another job or lure, lure people out of the booth. If you can't get that guy, then you just need to chill with Rick Barnes. Look, specifically, Jay Wright, well, he retired because he hated NIL money, so he, you're already going to have to deal with that. Plus, Jay Wright, you don't th- he won two national titles at Nova. You don't think he had offers elsewhere at that time? No, he likes staying in Philly. He likes Philly. He's born in Philly, raised I agree. there. I, don't, I agree. I don't want to get caught up on Jay Wright, but I'm saying, can yeah. you make those sort of phone calls? I mean, Donnie Tyndall was a bit of a reach. He already had in- NCAA issues in his past, so you're going to have to overlook those and end up getting worse. But can you call a guy with no NCAA baggage and say, hey, Tennessee's set to win a national title. Would you like to lead Tennessee to a national title or a Final Four? After Rick Barnes is done, can Tennessee make those type of phone calls? I think they can. I think they can. Now, the thing with basketball coaches is it's kind of hard to find them in the, that, that, that does win the national title, put it that way. I mean, we consider Bruce Pearl one of the best basketball minds in all of college basketball. He's got one Final Four and no national titles on his resume right now. And what's happening is you're kind of seeing a new opening where you've had Mike Krzyzewski retire, Roy Williams retire. So, like, the litany of coaches that have that have owned the national title market for the past 20 years are going away. So, I don't know how many established, obvious coaches out there there are that you could honestly say would be better than Rick Barnes that have a better resume than Rick Barnes. I mean, I, I just, that, that's hard to Okay, find. let me ask you this. Could you go to a Mark Few and Would you say. Take Mark Few over Rick Barnes? What? Would you take Mark Few over Rick Barnes? Yes. I don't know if I would. Honestly. Okay, well, give me, give, give me a, give me a great coach that's out there. That's at a, at a program with less funding. Because Gonzaga, I'm sure, has great funding, but g- g- give me a give me a coach who, if Rick Barnes said, you know, I've had enough, I'm retiring tomorrow. What kind of great coach could you hire? Uh, I mean, I'm trying to think of names out there because, all right, so there's Dot Tomizzo who's not leaving Michigan State. There's no. John Calipari who I wouldn't take over Rick Barnes if I'm being honest. No. Um, 
there is, I mean, there's the Utah coach, uh, not Utah, excuse me, UConn coach, one who just won the national title. I, my mind is blinking on him. But um, if you look at highest paid coaches in college basketball. Um, but let me ask you that what I'm asking is, can you go to those coaches and not get laughed out of the room? Is Tennessee that respected? Because when I was your age, I'm what, about uh, 15 years older than you. You couldn't go to those names because Tennessee was viewed as a football only school. Yes, that is true. You can mostly go to those names now. You're right. You can. That, my thing is with college basketball, I'm not so sure those names exist. That's the crazy part is I'm saying it out loud. It's because Mike Krzyzewski and Roy Williams have retired. You got John Calipari and Tom Izzo and Bill Self are the only three more higher paid, more highly paid than Rick Barnes. None of them are leaving their schools. Bill Self ain't leaving Kansas. And John Calipari, I think I take Rick Barnes over Calipari. And Tom Izzo hasn't won a national title since 2000. I mean, he's been in the mix consistently, but he's only got one national title to his resume. And so if you're trying to really get over the hump, there are very people don't understand with sports. There are very few home run hires on paper. They are rare. I mean, rare. The I mean, Nick Saban to Alabama, home run hire. You knew that was going to work out the minute the hire was made. And Urban Meyer to Ohio State, you knew that was going to work out. Those are the only two home run hires in college football the last like 50 years, I'd say, unless you got another one that you knew there was a national championship coming. Uh, I do not have another one. Um, I, I do not know that there is that guy that is going to turn your basketball program around. No question. I, I don't, I don't have one. I don't have one at all. Um, you know, if you do, uh, I'm I'm up for it. Let's uh, maybe discuss that tomorrow. I want to thank everybody for hitting that like and subscribe button. Tell a friend we're with you weekdays at uh, 10 a.m. And you can order the book, Celebrate 98, The Untold Stories Behind Tennessee's 1998 National Championship Team. And you can get an autographed uh, version from an autographed copy, I should say, from uh, Fred White and other players coming uh, down the pike. Is this crazy to think that Candace Parker could maybe coach the men's team? Because we've had three I mean, people say that. That would be epic. But I mean, can guys, the Candace Parker knows basketball. I got a lot of respect for her. But the 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 women's game in general, the fundamentals are so different from the men's game. And I don't know. Maybe she could translate. I mean, she studies the men's game. She's very smart. But I mean, that's still that's a risk for someone who's never coached. Yeah, I think that's more along the lines that somebody would take um, that's a little bit further down the rung, not not as a shot to her uh, whatsoever. But that, that to me, is somebody that's taken a little bit more of a chance. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. Weekdays, 10 a.m. Turn the notifications on. Please do that because already dropped a Celebrate 98 audio uh, version of uh, Philip Crosby. And so if you're on our audio platform, leave us a review. We greatly appreciate that. For Caleb Calhoun, I'm Dave Hooker. This has been a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.